What you want? We've got a mighty hard to listen, but it makes your rage glisten. Our voice is about the games, and you know we talk about the latest goings, more so than any other, and our mountain west matters. Well, will you? You listen to this podcast too. Just a side where German analyze some matches and kiss between the bridges. We do some good interviews. And you know, from Fresno all the way to Boise, from Logan down to Aston, they're calling out our name. Where will you? You listen to this podcast too. Hey, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Connection podcast. You know, mwcconnection.com. Guys causing a hubbub on Twitter. Mainly me, but Jeremy here. Not kind of as well, so it's been like two weeks since we've discussed anything with you and me on the show. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. You've been uh, down in Southern California, correct? Taking the scenic route back? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm rested. I'm refreshed. Mostly. Mostly. Most. Until you check uh, certain news sources, like really, (laughs) this again. (laughs) So we're we're I'm looking at my calendar, and we're right now we're sitting uh, middle of April, third week of April. You know what time it it, it close for our what? I could speak tonight. It's getting close to actually start our big previews. I know. I'm excited. And our top fifty list. Yeah. Yeah, and it's only a hundred. And as of the recording time, there's only 128 days until kickoff for the August 26th game. Who, who do we got there? San Jose State, San Jose State, and South Florida. And, and Colorado State moved their game as well to have a bye week, I believe. Did it? They. We're we're getting there, everybody. We're, we're getting there, but uh, we got at least one game. That week zero is actually becoming more of a week half, I think, because there's a cup. Yeah, because you got. I know there's also Portland State, BYU. You have uh, did you see the debacle? It's not that weekend, but uh, Texas Tech trying to move a game to Sunday without Eastern Washington's consent. <laughs> I did see that. Maybe maybe get in touch with the other program first before you kind of make that decision. Yeah, talk to the ads. No, you have yeah Oregon State CSU August twenty sixth. That got moved up a week, so that's actually the official opener now for the new Ram Stadium. We're getting there, folks. Like you said, 128 days. So, because our previews are 12 weeks, we have 12 teams. If you didn't know, and 12 times, uh, if we go by seven, that's what 96, right? No, I, 12 times seven is 84. Jeez, my math is wrong. So we're we need to start that like a month. Oh man, we I know research to do. So we'll get on that pretty soon. Uh, we'll have like the top 50 countdown, which I probably should start now because that takes forever to do to calculate. Unless, unless there's smarter people out there who are listening. Because I know people listen at the beginning the whole thing. Not as much, but maybe you know this map. But is there a particular formula or calculation or website I could use where people who 
make a list where it gives me the percentage for each spot without me having to enter like um, A through E or something? I don't know. Because that would be so helpful. <laughs> that would be the most... That would Because there's times I'm like, hey, I need help. You know how it is, our email change. I'm like, I need more time. Who's, who can help me? Who can do this? Instead of mm-hmm. me doing math every time and obviously we get one or two names wrong. It's like, oh, come on. So if anybody has a program or formula, maybe you can make one. I don't know. We have some smart people to listen to the show. And so what I'm looking for is for people who create a list, we have about 10 or 15 people who will create their own list, input those lists one through 50 and then spit out the results. I don't know. Do you have the phone number to IBM? Can I call Watson on this one? Maybe. <laughs> Give me the, the number to Watson. See, what, we, what we really need is just a way to guard against typos. That's what that we really too, need. Because here's how I actually do it. Like I'll put a one through 50. I have the overall list. Then everybody adds their name on there. I will go through and put 50 points for one, 49, so on down to one. And I do command after search, but if somebody misspells the name wrong or I misspell a name wrong on my search, I miss a few names like, oh, dang it. But we want to be accurate because we don't want to mess up. Stuff happens. So I w- Oklahoma State fans, cool your jets. <laughs> Exactly. I'll take a hard U-turn on this and just say that. Check our Twitter feed if you want some entertainment. It gave me a nice hour on the train home to just uh, screw around. And if people think we're offended or get hurt feel- hurt feelings easily, no, we're not. We don't care. You're 10 and 3, <laughs> right, Coach Gundy? Yes. You lost to Central Michigan. <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's everywhere. I get the rule change, or the rule, not change, but the uh, rule error. But it's official. Come on. Let's move on. We don't need to go into that. Check our Twitter feed, MWC Connection, if you want to see some fun stuff. And I'll stand 100% by my one of my tweets on there that if not for Texas, Oklahoma State would be like in the Big East or Mountain West. Yeah, probably. Remember last time, realignment, Kansas State and Baylor were on the verge of coming to our conference. Um, and, you, and we still haven't heard back from Burnt Orange Nation or Crimson Cream or the Cream and Crimson Machine either as to whether... They actually are a part of the Big 12 because of Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> we did get the Cowboys we, right for free to get a quick chime in, but not, they're on par. They kind of figured we were screwing around, but they just kind of met one little quick mention of it, so we were cool with them. Everybody else, relax, right? Yeah. All right, so let's get to our main topics tonight. We we promised we got, we got to mix in our Jeff Tedford um, Photoshop again at some point Photoshop. For, for a longer show. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to we'll, that. We'll get to, we'll, it's not going to stop. So it'll be there for as a topic to talk about. It's not going to stop. We may not do a whole show on like Marvel characters of, of who Craig Bull is or something, but we, we may get to it because we'll probably have at least a couple of shows where literally nothing is going on and we haven't started our preview yet. So we'll get to that. But let's stick with the – we got some actual news, some rule changes here in college football. Six football rules to know. Briefly explained. Yes, that's the exact title. So in college football – um, two day practices are done essentially. I'm, I'm, That's a good I'm thing. I'm fine with that. Partly and partly because um, my well, not so, I was about to say something to make me sound super old, but I participated at the collegiate level in two day practices. They just suck. Not football. Yes, water polo and swimming is not the same. Clearly, also much fewer head traumas in that sport. You can get a couple where I played <laughs> from the wrestling position where I was in, in the pool, but they just sucked. I hated it. And this is probably four times hard because it's more physical overall than mo- most any other sport out there. You're hitting your head. You're 
in August. It's a mess, and coaches have been getting rid of it forever. It's like it's it's fine. We don't need to. It's fine. I don't care, right? I just think if you're gonna make it, also it probably makes your practices more productive because they get an extra week now. I believe they get a fifth week during spring or fall camp now, and it's fine. It's like you could be more productive if you're not tired and. With people basically being weapons wearing full pads, that could be an issue. Yeah, and I mean, if you have the ability to balance out the physical with the mental side of the game, you know, that's still apparently an option that teams can take advantage of if they want to. It's not saying that they can't do two different things in a day. They just can't do full contact practice twice in a day. Like the, the article on SP Nation notes that they can still do film study. They can still do walkthroughs. And there is definitely some kind of value in, you know, having that kind of repetition, maybe getting into a new kind of pattern where, you know, the athletes are a little bit fresher. They're getting different parts of themselves worked out and body versus mind being able to kind of sharpen their instincts in different ways. So I don't have a problem with it. And like a lot of other people saying, I feel like it's pretty long overdue. Yeah. It's and a couple of things too. Like these guys are, working with the strength coach year round because you remember the rant the famous rant from um dan hawkins at, at cu the intramural thing because he's like we get one week off here two weeks off here and it's like that's more vacation you guys get probably and they kind of chuckle then he goes off on his rant but that's true they're always working they're always working out basically the whole year you go home for for break you get like like i said a week around probably your after your bowl game go home do whatever you're back in school in mid-January. You're working out. You're running. You're doing not intense, but enough to stay clearly stay in close to sh- not maybe not pristine shape, which you are during football season. But you're still working out to get bigger and stronger. And then you're going to do this. And one thing I'm wondering: it says full contact practices because I've been to my fair share of football practices, and there's practices where you're just wearing helmets. You're wearing shells, shoulder pads, and helmet. That's it. But you'll still do eleven on eleven, or it's basically full contact but no tackling. Yeah, I don't. I'm assuming that implies in the same sense, no pads at all for two practices. Maybe just well, according to according to this, the article it says that they can't be in helmets or shoulder pads. Okay, I must have missed that part. Okay, oh there it is, right at the bottom, the last sentence. If I kept reading, I would see that. So there's stuff. Yeah, it's it's fine because like you said, they're already working as much as they can, and there's there's like other benefits to extra film study or working out an extra forty five minutes or whatever the practice may be. Split it up. Like all right, we have a your hour whatever your practice you have two day you have two days worth of practices right now in one day or two practices in one day you have let's say it's four, four hours two hours full pads whatever it may be an hour film study hour working out or something for official team stuff so it's fine it's because concussions are a thing like people say oh it's a it's a wussy thing or you're being weak or something it's like no you want these guys fresh they work out so much and it's you don't want injuries too because here's one thing like because here's the thing, you're going to do the same amount of pattern practices, full contact. It's just not concentrated. And yeah. So they're not losing much. And one thing people – I the NFL did this a couple of years ago, and it's still an issue. They limit – I think they can only do like a full pattern practice once the season begins, like once a week maybe. And what I've noticed with that, and it's been a couple of years enough data out there, you're seeing – I'm going to try to make this relate everything, but you're seeing more injuries because – there is very a lot of beneficial things to do with full pattern practices. You get to learn how to tackle. You 
get hit because that's a big deal. Quarterbacks, not as much because they're a little more protected, but you get to hit enough, you get that tackling um, down, you get you can recover from just a various minor injuries, bumps and bruises from early practices. NFL's done away with a ton of that, which, same point, I get it, but then again, with fewer padded practices overall the NFL is doing, you'll see a lot more various injuries like ankles or hamstrings because it's it's very different if you're going a walk through even doing like a full on shells where NFL is different rules but where it's not tackle but you're still basically hitting each other that mm-hmm. that point but this is what am I trying to say here but basically it's, the NFL is having more injury issues this does not change that for college because you're still getting that same technique and work on those things like I guess that makes sense. Do you understand what I mean? They're still practicing enough to get the feel of real football. Yeah, I know. I, I understand I what you're saying. And it, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and it, and it you, you haven't you kind of talked around the fact too that regardless of whatever approach you want to take, the players are still bigger, faster, and stronger than they've ever been before. So there's not any perfect solution to that kind of injury problem. But, you know, eliminating two-a-days is still, I think, a step in the right direction. Yeah, and one last thing on this part. When I um, – well, I still do, but when I went to BYU practice every day with Bronco Mendenhall, I brought up a question. He looked at me like, why are you asking me? He's like, I just – I stare from the coach. I'm like, ugh. Because he would not do – even – he would use fewer practices available to him for full pads. Hmm. And which – there's mixed feelings. Like, he's like, it's it's an injury thing. But then my point, which I guess this will make it come back together, if you're practicing fewer amount of times in full pad of practices, you're not used to getting hit like that in a game. And where very small knick-knack injuries can come and get you. His point was, well, we want to be more fresh. And I understand with them doing their offense, which was no huddle, with Robert and I there, they called the go fast, go hard. What you see a lot mm-hmm. of country, like 100 plays a game. And so I, I understand that point. But that's where he, he wouldn't even use the full – accolade or not accolade but the allotment of practices to have for pads and so because it's like day three and get full pads i'm like uh i guess point but my I, my thought is once you have them available use them but like i said not to go over again but spreading them out is much better for everybody and recovery time too because if you're going i don't know how the however everybody's practice goes it works but let's say you go full pads like in the prior rule morning afternoon what are you doing the next day or the day after that? Are you doing – I know they wouldn't go two-a-days like every day of the week. They'd have like every other day. But even if you go morning, full pads, afternoon, full pads, tomorrow, say it's afternoon practice to let them recover, is that enough time to get the most out of your athlete as well? Yeah. All right, so another rule, which uh, there's a couple ones that are not a, not a huge deal or kind of minor in the recruiting area. Uh, a couple of camp reforms – whatever i don't care about that you get a limits amount of uh, fbs coaches to participate in camps and clinics to 10 days in june and july have they figured out how to not let jim harbaugh do a camp on the moon or anything Uh, i don't know yet like with my thing with camps it's like like the rule they had last year which basically would have crushed every kid like a ton of kids dreams and high school coaches and lower division one coaches where they would go to Jackson State, or they would go to Alcorn State, or they would go to a local junior college in Texas. Mm-hmm. And the, behind that, which we all know, it's like, okay, if this Texas is a huge state, if they're having out, say, at Blinn College out in a, well, that's probably the best example. That's out near Texas A&M and not near much of anything. Just say it's like Dallas Baptist University 
they're, I don't think they have football, but that's just my example. You're in a major city. Kids come to you. You can drive to all these camps. You're not, you don't have to do the official camps from wherever across the country. And so, like, there should be a limit. Like, coaches work so hard. Like, some of these coaches, too, it's a money-making thing. Not for the Jim Harbaugh's or even FBS coaches, but assistant coaches, high school coaches, junior college, um, FCS coaches. It's basically where, like, I did a water polo camp. Like, I know, go back to that. Like, I went to one in high school out to California because that's where most people, sports are more popular, more coaches. People mm-hmm. would go there. Years later, I was a a coach at a camp that had a Texas A&M University. And the thought was, it is brilliant. I don't know why not many people thought of this before. It's the same camp thing. It's a high school camp, so it's not like college or anything. But I was one of the counselors, coaches, help run the practices and workouts for like four or five days. You bring in the five or ten coaches to you, which it's cheaper for the kids because you're, if you're, for me, you're most people came from Houston or Austin, 90-minute drive, very manageable. You're in town, you fly in – like I said, a handful of coaches, you pay for them to stay at the school and everything. You're not having each kid pay hundreds of dollars to fly out food, travel, all that stuff. So that's where these camps, I think, work. And having a limit, it's fine. You don't need to do – what did Harbaugh do last year? Didn't he have like a two-month tour going to Hawaii, going everywhere last year? Yeah, didn't he didn't – he, wasn't he talking recently about doing something in Italy? Or was that just no, they are going to Italy, I think, uh, within the end of this month. No, oh, there you go. And so it, it's, it's – camps are good there's ncaa is dumb sometimes right <laughs> i think that's a pretty simple thing yeah. to say um other rules that are important you got some visit changes whatever they can just start earlier um the biggest two what do you think is the bigger one let me ask you the extra assistant coach or is it the uh early signing period to mimic us juco and also basketball and other non-revenue sports i think it's the early signing day so what do you think about this? You saw what um, Dave, David Shaw said at Stanford. Basically saying it would be catastrophic if there's an early signing period. You know why I don't like recruiting? <laughs> it's because there are so many student-athletes. I mean, and this is their right, obviously, but there are so many student-athletes that they commit to a place early on and then they for whatever reason, decide to decommit, you know, obviously we're saw we see that year in and year out with like coaching changes and, you know, maybe, you know, new players come up and, you know, situations change on the individual level, but it just happens so much. And it's to me, pushing the deadline up is really interesting in a couple of ways because I don't think I'm, I'm hoping that having an early signing day will kind of cut down on that. I mean, as I perceive it to be waffling, right? Mm-hmm. If you know that you're going to a place and you have your heart set on going to a place, you can go to that place. And if you're not, then I don't think that there's going to be that much pressure to, you know, to settle on a place to have that kind of second period where you can keep looking for places or, you know, maybe have your heart set on a place where you haven't received an offer yet. And I know that one of the, one of the best can, one of the biggest concerns is that they say in the article, for example, it says prospects who feel pressured to sign early could also lose out on offers from bigger schools. Mm. But that's kind of like a risk reward situation, isn't it? I mean, if you're a good enough athlete, there's a pretty good chance you're going to end up somewhere 
that you'll be satisfied with. You know, maybe you're hoping for a scholarship from Cal, but you end up at, I don't know, San Diego State or Fresno State because they really want you to be there. I feel like that particular concern is a little bit overblown. I mean, to me, it just kind of adds to the whole dimension of personal responsibility. If you want to go to a place, then commit to going to that place. And if you are not totally sure, you have the time to make that decision. Yeah, there's good, there's a couple of things. Like, I've been going back and forth. I see how it can be good and bad. And every athlete is different. Every school is different. Like, David Shaw, his thing is about, obviously, Stanford and academics. Because what if kids are – you don't know if they're going to qualify. And then, yeah. and then they can't sign earlier because the admissions process like, well, we need to – who knows when their grades are turned in? Like, the, the, the dates they're looking at are right the week before Christmas, essentially. For this year – and this one is going to pass, like all, most of these are. It's going to start this year. And so the signing period early is the same as the JUCO, I believe, December 20th through December 23rd. And grades should be in if you're a high school senior from your high, from your school there, but – I don't know how – what if they're slow getting the process done? Like, well, I don't know if we're going to qualify. We need to see – like, I'm not familiar with Stanford, how they're working for admissions, but when you apply for colleges, typically – technically, to, to be honest, that second semester of your senior year doesn't really matter all that much. I mean, I feel like it becomes a bit of gamesmanship mm-hmm. on both the, both the part of the players and the institutions. Like, for – a program like Stanford, they might be dealing with obstacles that I don't really think anybody in the Mountain West is going to be dealing with. But if that's the case, maybe that evens the playing field in the long run because, you know, if teams in the Mountain West, for instance, are able to, you know, improve their facilities and have a worthwhile package of amenities to offer these student athletes maybe they won't feel so bad about not getting a chance to go to Stanford because they're ending up at someplace else that they want to be. For sure. And there's like, yeah, there's a lot of give and take. Like there's people that say they're big for coaches. Like say, I can't say that anymore. Most, but the season ends first week of December, sometimes earlier for some schools. If you're not going to bowl team, they'll use that month of December and January to increase their recruiting efforts because there's less demand for practices you're not going even if you're in a bowl game you're not you still have some time where you're not practicing as much with the team so you can do more research contact more coaches go on the road recruiting watch watch more videos and so some some arguments against like well what if my kid blooms late well that happens look at Carson Wentz he grew like eight inches at North Dakota State look early look at Aaron Rodgers guy like Josh Allen yeah, same thing and so that happens, but here's a couple of things. Like, kids waiting for the offer, it may happen, but also this will – I like your point where this will level the playing field a bit because you'll see, like, my other job, I, we're doing a lot of recruiting with BYU right now from our radio show. We have a new guy who comes on a bit from Rivals. BYU's offering – you see it everywhere, eighth graders, ninth graders. Like, I'm committed to BYU. I'm in ninth grade. I'm like, is that going to stick? Who knows? He's a 2020 kid. But – when it gets closer to that date, we see it all the time where scholarships don't get honored. Or I remember a thing with University of Utah a couple of years ago. They had during a couple of years they weren't weren't going to bowl games. They had like I believe it was two or three offensive linemen day before signing day expected to sign, don't sign because they go somewhere else, which is fine fine for them. I'm not saying oh poor Utah they lost these guys, but my point is. 
then Utah goes, I'm going to offer this kid who was committed to go to, or not even signing the like, verbal still, he hasn't said in his facts yet, to Utah State or Colorado State. He's like, like, whoa, I can go to Utah now? And then Colorado State loses a guy day of. And if like you said before, if they give these guys love and facilities are improving, CSU is getting better, there will be some new stadium at San Diego State down the road, Utah State's upgraded Romney Stadium or Maverick Stadium, whatever it's called now, maybe they'll sign earlier and not, like you said, risk-reward. It's like, well, I have a sure thing now. Like my offers are Toledo, Houston, or Utah State. What are the chances you're going to get an offer from Texas, Ohio State, or BYU? You know what I mean? It's like, unless the team's in a bind, it's it's that's not going to happen probably. Yeah, I mean, I really hate the whole offering fourteen and fifteen <laughs> year olds too. thing. But yes. like, I was just reading and I was reading a thing in the other day in the Fresno Bee about a kid here in Fresno, Kendall Milton, who's already getting offers from both the Mountain West and the Pac-12. Like he just got offered by UCLA in Utah, and he's fifteen. What's that? A incoming sophomore? I. Uh, well, he's 15, and I don't know. <laughs> apparently, according to according to his own hype, he's the number. One. Oh yeah, he was offered by BYU. So there you go. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's going to be a little bit of jockeying position that I think maybe we haven't seen before because you're going to have one deadline to meet rather than two, and depending on what your individual situation is, you can you know, kind of play your game for one or the other. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And I think in the long run, it's going to be beneficial for the Mountain West. I think it's beneficial for yeah, conferences like Mountain West. I know CUSA was the only league that voted against it for some reason or a bunch of these rules. But a couple of things this does help. It helps the athlete and the university. Because we'll, we'll get to coaching in a minute because that could be a big issue as well with this, early, this signing period. Here's the thing. You have... Let's just, I honestly, there's probably a hundred guys on a team's board who they're going after, at least minimum. They've offered, mm-hmm. they've obviously over offered because it's going to happen. School, let's just say, I don't know how many kids are going to sign early. There could be five, there could be 12. A school, I'm wondering if there could be, I just thought of this now, school will be a scenario. It's like, nope, don't, like, because you always hear about non committable offers. I'm like, that's the most stupidest thing ever. That's what these offers are to kids who are ninth grade. Because remember, Lane Kiffin offered some sixth, sixth grader years ago. It's like these offers aren't committable. They're not going to be like if, like you said, the guy in Fresno he's an offer from BYU Mountain West schools. Is that offer going to stand in four in three years? Probably not. It may not be there. They're just saying, "Oh, we'll offer you just because offers." It's like throwing out candy. It's like who cares? Well, and I mean, it's like you said. I, I think it's more likely that the the athlete is going to change his mind anyway. Every time I hear about this, the only thing I can think of is Tate Martell. <laughs> who committed, what, to USC or whatever when he was 13? Yeah. And, what, he committed and decommitted from three different schools until he ended up at Ohio State? It, That's just kind of how I feel most of that kind of situation is going to look like. I get, so, I get the point of offering early because if one school does it, another school has to follow. Like, I hear it here around town, and you probably do in your area. Oh, BYU offers a kid. Utah's right behind to offer just because. doesn't matter how old they are or even even if it's a need of interest. But a way back to my point I was attended to make a, a minute ago, a school, say they sign 10 kids, and you, you get position A, B, C, A through Z. You get your positions lined up. This allows mm-hmm. the school to refocus. Okay, we, can, we still need to work because it can make your um, efforts – 
because you can get stretched out and burned out doing this stuff recruiting. It's a brutal schedule. These guys drive across country. They'll do back and forth flights everywhere every other day. They're in, they can be in four states in one day, flying. Mm-hmm. And so they could are they're, they're like, all right, we got ten guys signed, and then okay, we're going to concentrate on linemen or defensive backs or quarterback because either this guy wasn't ready to sign or we lost him because he signed with a rival. That helps the school narrow down their focus, but also the athletes. Like, say, I, the kids probably pay attention, like what the class is bringing in. Like, do you really want to be part of the class that brings in three quarterbacks? Probably not. That's yeah, exactly. And so you see your school you're looking at, your front runner signs two quarterbacks. They already have two or three on rosters. Like, well, it's like there could be the pressure to sign them because hey, if you sign here, there's only going to be this competition. But it's going to give the athlete more options. Like. Maybe not the kids who have one or two offers, but let's just let's just say you have five offers out there, and you realize, hey, Utah State's bringing in these, these positions. I don't want to go there because not that I'm, I'm afraid of competition, but I, I want to play. I don't want to sit for three years and maybe play one. If I I know I'm the kid, everybody's confidence, and you hear this all the time. They don't. There's extreme examples. Wasn't there a guy at USC who transferred the first week out of spring camp or, or fall camp or something last year or two years ago? I think <laughs> there so. Some, like yeah. within week or two of fall camp, like really? I'm not talking about that situation. But like it's, I get it. Like oh, he doesn't want to compete, but you're looking out for you as well. And so I would rather go to a school B that has a junior and senior quarterback, and I'm their only quarterback recruit right now. And even if they bring in a second one that's not that big a deal because you're probably sitting year one anyways. Then you'll compete for the backup or mm-hmm. the very important third spot when you first come in or backup spot. And so that gets, see, that helps the players too, I think, to maybe readjust where they're going to school. And I mean, I see, I, I'm already starting to think that if you are a team in the Mountain West that has a, a recent track record of recruiting really well, and I'm thinking particularly of teams like Boise State and Colorado State who have, you know, cleaned up in the last couple of recruiting classes if you have the opportunity to lock in the guys that you really want sooner rather than later that's going to be a huge benefit for the teams that are already recruiting really well in the conference mm-hmm. you know the teams that you know offer something that may you know you may need to dream on it a little bit i'm thinking of a place like unlv you know unlv is on the way up they're going to have a new stadium three or four years from now but you know, they may not be quite as locked in to the guys that they want as a team like Boise or Colorado State. And so I think if you're in that situation, if you have these rules that you can benefit from, that's going to be something to look forward to. And I know that at least here in Fresno, Jeff Tedford's already talking about someday having a recruiting class that's entirely from this early signing period. And it wouldn't surprise me that if I were, if, if you were to ask more head coaches in the Mountain West, I have a feeling a lot of them would probably want the same thing. Yeah, because if you lock in, but here a couple things like you said. Like I'm looking at last year's composite rankings at 24/7. Boise, CSU, San Diego State, Fresno. Even Hawaii came at fifth. Pretty surprising a little bit. If you can lock in your like Boise had the one four star player. Let's say that guy signs early because he took all his official visits. He wants to go to Boise, and there's some kids who athletes that like I want to go to the school no matter what that's for me being my working what I do in town here that's more BYU or like Notre Dame or USC schools like that where they they grew up wanting to go there especially BYU it's like I want to go there I'm part of the religion I love the coaches I'm down I'm, I live five minutes from university 
they want to go there. Those are the guys who are going to sign early. That's fine. But if you can convince yeah. and get the good, better player, not good or cheese, what am I saying? <laughs> better players signed, that could boost your recruiting overall. Let's just say CSU or Boise signs a four-star guy. They bring in eight guys in December. Great. And it's a good class. That could change the field about, oh, this guy's considering Boise State, but he's also considering Cal or Washington that are a little bit better programs overall. It can better exposure, whatever, yada, yada, that stuff. They may it could bring in better talent to to that school because hey they already have these good players I want to join him he's my teammate I'm also a good recruits it's kind of the, not the package deal thing but most classes are really known like the day there's very few surprises once you get to signing day in February as it is now but if you get a couple of yeah. higher profile guys to sign in for the Mountain West that could turn some heads and say hey mate, what are they doing right let me consider them because you have five official visits and you'll see kids take half of those in January alone. And and so that's also, I'll get to that in a minute, but that's a point where the Mountain West could clean up if they get one or two good recruits. San Diego State could go after other players that they may not be able to get because, hey, we got this guy coming in, be part of this defense. He's already locked in. You could join him and have a great one-two punch at position X. That sounds about right to me. And the last thing I want to get on this um, – is a visit thing, like I just said. A lot of visits coming in, and the coaching change, too, that kind of goes together, because the high school kids, like, when are they going to have time to visit? I know they're pushing official visits more toward um, the springtime, like they're pushing them back, which helps northern schools because of weather. Like, do you really want to go to Columbus in winter, or whatever, East Lansing <laughs> in December? Bring them in in April and May when they when we can go, when you can do official visits now, but there's a time crunch, especially if players... Blossom in their senior year, recovered from an injury, or transferred high schools. Are they going to have time to do visits? And I know they still have the second signing period to go to commit to in February, but that's a concern because that's a quick turnaround. If you're especially in Texas and bigger states that have five A, six A, multiple round playoffs, we're playing sixteen, seventeen games. They're done in the middle of December. You're not going to sign them, but you still want to take your visits. So there's also a concern on that part as well. Well, I mean, what it says is that you could begin in April of your junior year, and it goes into the summer, I guess. Yeah. So if you have, like, for instance, May and June in order to make those visits after you're done with your junior year going into your senior year of high school, that, I think, is where the change really makes a difference because... You know, now you're not up against school and other responsibilities, whether it's on the team or in the classroom or anything like that. You have the time to dictate where you want to go when you have the entire summer ahead of you to do so. I think, I, yeah, I, that's why they pushed it up clearly because there's that time crunch. And overall, this I think there's it's, it's a good thing for both players, coaches, and universities. The only really downside I see is that a new coaching staff is a. Uh, you don't have a coach built in at that point. How can you really recruit? That's the only real downside. It gives them time to recruit afterwards, but that's the only, like out of all the negatives, like I can't put a good spin on that. Say if you don't have a coaching staff, what are you going to do? I know it's like, Oh, you commit to the school, not the coach. That's bull crap for the most part. I want to go play for this school because they run this offense. I'm not going to go to, I'm There's a reason a kid wants to go to Washington state, not Navy. It's not because they, love the coach or the school it is but or it's not because they want to go to washington state they want to go because they want to play for mike leach 
They want to go to Navy mm. because they want to run the ball and do the option or, well, option offense. And so that's like the overall, that's like probably my biggest, the biggest negative there is. But even then, you still have time. And I like how they can regroup and focus and get stuff done. So, but I would give that it's almost like a no brainer, you would think. I don't know why there's too much debate not doing this earlier. See, what's going to happen now is recruits are going to come to Fresno in like late May and yeah. they're going to ask whether it's this god awful hot all the time. Or no. Because they... trust me, it will be hot. <laughs> No, you bring him into Logan, Utah in July, not November. That's what you do. There you go. I've been to Logan in March. Oh, ooh, it's it's a different type of cold, man. And I'm like 80 miles from there. It's a different type of cold. But all right, the other big rule: the tenth assistant coach. Um, there's a few concerns I have with this. Getting a tenth coach is great to help with your team because there's a lot of responsibilities. My biggest thing I tweeted out a while ago, if you look at the official NCAA, um, like kind of the what could happen from this rule, one thing I highlighted was this has zero impact on the university financially. Hmm. I don't see any head coach giving up six figures to bring on a 10th assistant coach every year. That's an excellent point. Besides that, but it's like this rule, it's... It's you already have the quasi coaches at Alabama. They had freaking Steve Sarkeesian as an analyst, really. Yeah, I was gonna, the <laughs> offensive analyst. Yeah, and now he's the OC for the Falcons. Good job. So I, I, it's, I don't know what like looking at your school at Fresno State. What type of coach would you want to add as another assistant? Someone would be like, let's break up, have another, a cornerbacks coach specifically instead of a DBs coach or. Your QB coach is the OC, so I want to bring a QB coach so the OC can focus on more game planning than play calls. Honestly, I have no idea. Who do you want? Do you want? Do you want a yes man for Jeff Tedford? No, I don't. Wait, wait, that's Jim Bardco. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I, I honestly don't know. But it's interesting though that it came from the Mac, didn't it? Uh, I am not sure about that. I think, uh, yeah, because it says, going back to the original article, that the, the proposal that was approved came from the Mid- the Mid-American. There you go. So I guess it wasn't a matter of if they could budget for it, because I guess they are going to do it, but a matter of when to do it, which is why they're not doing it until January of next year. Yeah, that, yeah it starts the first week of January, and it's going to be done. Like, there's no way around it, but I just think it's laughable. Oh, it's no financial impact. And then again, you see tweets like you put out there, I believe, you have enough money to do this, but not pay athletes anything. Yeah, let's not talk about Texas's dumbass digital lockers. <laughs> I see that link right here. I'm like, Ugh. I, oh, yeah, there it came from the Mac. So, um, what? Uh, let's go. Ne- let's go negative because people like it when we talk negative. Apparently, or no, they don't really. But it's the money thing. Like we, this could be a whole other two hour thing, but a show, but. My opinion on this, like, if there, if there, if there's money, because look at, um, shoot, New Mexico for their coaching search in basketball, they were in a deficit of multi-million dollars, like about three million deficit because basketball wasn't as good, and they're mm-hmm. losing money because the pit and Wise Pies Arena wasn't selling out, despite football being very good compared to what it has been in the past decade or ever in the past two years, not selling out University Stadium. So there's money issues. I'm just wondering, like, where's this money coming from? Like, 
they're going to do it because, but is it is it a simple and dumb answer? Student fees, you you people paying ten more ten more dollars a semester to sup- supplement the uh, in- interior offensive line coach. I mean, I guess that wouldn't surprise me. I almost no. wonder. If, I was well. I almost wonder if maybe um, in the coaching carousel in the next few years, whether colleges think twice about maybe spending so much money on the head coach. Maybe they get a guy for one point two five million, so they can get you know an assistant for a quarter million dollars. They would have given another head coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's... So, I mean, maybe it's not an increase in the budget, but maybe just kind of a reallocation from kind of the top down, I would think. That could be the case, but within the first four or five years, it's probably going to have to be an increase somewhere for a couple of years. Yeah. And so it, the rule's good to have more coaches out there to do these type of things. It's just uh, just that part was laughable about the money thing. It's like, I we won't go into too much detail, but my opinion is like, I think a fair way, or at least mostly fair, there's going to be star players and not star players there's going to be corruption almost no matter where there's going to be a bag man anywhere it seems like at any school but I just don't see why they can't do the Olympic thing and let them sell their likeness to a local company or something however I would like to put maybe some stipulations like you may get X amount of money now or it's put into a fund once you graduate or if you keep a certain GPA then you can get this money every month like say big time player gets $50,000 for and six month contract or during the football season to voice a commercial or something for a car dealership. He'll get that money, but it's broken up and it's based on like your grades. If you graduate or something like that, I think that's reasonably fair. So you're not giving a guy a quarter million dollars or $25,000 right off the bat. I, I don't know. I think that's kind of a, an area I would yeah. look at how to do it sort of because it, it makes sense. Someday common sense will prevail. Yeah. And I think we just gotta keep crossing our fingers yeah. until then. Common sense of the NCAA, there's a million punchlines there. Yeah. There is one, uh, one quick story I mentioned here. There's a guy doing um, F- Freedom of in- Information Act request on something. I don't recall. It was a couple years ago. And there's all sorts of weird rules about getting that information about how you can file, when you can file. You've all heard about the thing in Georgia about uh, the college with the coaching staff there or the rule for the governor or something about competing with Alabama or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the call the NCAA made because part of it was to the NCAA to get this certain information. Guys out in California, he had buddies across the country. Like you had to be in certain States to get, like I said, to get that information or request it or pick it up physically. They won't mail it or electronically or physically gets a call from the NCAA to get this info. And they're in Indianapolis, which is central time zone. And I'm assuming they knew where this guy was at to, to try to avoid giving the information or at least saying this was, okay, there's, you know, there's difference between ethically and what you could actually do, like what's within the rules. Would you really give a call? There's a phone call the final day to get this done at 8 a.m. Eastern time, which is ridiculous. Anyways, if you're on that time zone, calling a guy knowing he's out in California at 5 a.m. and like something within like five minutes of the deadline. Like, are you kidding me, NCAA? You're really doing that? Oh, I called him at the deadline. This is within the rules, but really? Come on. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, you just make billions of dollars and scholarships not enough, even though, whatever. That's a... Uh, yeah. We know how that... I know how that works right now and everything, but it's a... Uh, don't break the bank, but I think there's a little bit out there to help them out. 
Is it time for rankings? Let's do it. So we get to more fun stuff and not this downer stuff that want to make us question certain things, I guess. <laughs> is this fun or is this controversial in its own way? The ranking? Uh, it's it's actual football stuff, not talking about playing paying players or that 10th assistant coach. That's true. Bill Connolly. Love Bill C. Some people love Bill C, depending on what team you are. <laughs> Hardest working man in college football. And his previews this year, I've only read a couple. I need to dive into these. These are, if you haven't read them, first of all, do it. Finish this podcast and do it. He's writing more and more this year than he's ever written, I believe. More graphics. He's a, he's a machine, and we should all be thankful for him. Yes. Did you listen to the recent um, podcast with him and Stephen Godfrey about the Mountain West? I have not had a chance to do that yet. No. I, I sort of listen to that. They're entertaining. It's just I have too many podcasts to listen to, so that one's not always on my front front burner. But it is a pretty good one. Talk about the Mountain West and stuff, and it's um, good stuff. It's a, go listen to it. It's the uh, what um, I get, they call it Papa, but Paul ain't played nobody podcast. I think that's what it's called. P A P N podcasting ain't played nobody. Podcast ain't played nobody. Not Paul. That's a fine Bob. Also, if you really want to, we have T-shirts that say Santa ain't played nobody. <laughs> Quinter back as well in an ugly sweater version too if you want to get it. <laughs> but the rankings itself, okay. Do you recall in our super early preview show after the season end about 2017? I vaguely remember that, yes. Do you recall who I put number one to win the conference in my stupid upset pick back in March or February? It was Colorado State, was it not? It sure was, and who does Bill C have number one? People got mad about that. <laughs> Run the ball. Run the ball, Bobo. Colorado State. So He does bring a up a couple of good points, though. He does. And really quick, to be clear on his rankings, these are different from his uh, S&P Plus rankings. Because mm-hmm. if you go, for, if you go um, further down, his S&P projected outcome, this is kind of a combination of that. And he does have plenty of good points. Like you're about to mention, like, Great quarterback, very good running back, defensive coordinator who turned things around and looks to have one of the better defenses in the conference. And schedule. Yes, they miss what Colorado or um, Colorado State misses San Diego State, and um, that's all you need to really about worry about in the West, right? <laughs> well, they don't get to, they don't have to play San Diego State, correct? And they get both the Broncos and Air Force at home. That's very good even though as many Boise State fans pointed out to everybody Rams have not come close to beating Boise State which is true and still con- and concerning for them they came within a touchdown of beating Boise State last year well, yeah but he had to come back from like what four touchdowns down to do so it was still a five point game that's well, all I'm saying outside, all I'm saying outside kick in the last seconds that didn't work I'm just saying scoreboard's not as lopsided as you thought it was I should go by the logic because Mike Gundy you got 10 wins buddy yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, he makes good points. Like it, the people, okay, I get his point because San Diego State's won back to back titles, mm-hmm. twenty two games. They're three. Boise State, Ted wins last year. They lose a lot of stuff. They lose a couple of defenders, Tanner Vallejo, a right linebacker. The other guy, shoot, he's going back to play baseball, starting linebacker. They lose uh, Jeremy McNichols, obviously. Thomas Spurback. So, and one thing about Boise, Brett Rippon has the same offense this year as he, as he did last year with the same OC and Zach Hill. So that's going to be helpful as well. But 
Air Force beat Boise three times in a row. So there's that to consider. And I think you're right, like scheduling and Mike Bobo year three, I think things are going to come together. Yeah, and I mean, I think he doesn't really say it, but I imagine that this is probably the case because he has CSU, Boise, and San Diego State in the same tier, tier one. I can't imagine that he sees that there's that much difference between those three teams. So if you're an Aztecs fan feeling somewhat slighted or a Broncos fan feeling somewhat slighted, I probably wouldn't because they're almost, you know, like they're on the same level basically they're they're peers to one another in the same way that maybe other programs in the conference are not for sure and if you look down at his uh, projected win total it is extremely close his boise because here's the thing while he has csu number one the S&P plus projected rate standings boise 8.8 wins overall csu 8.1 even thinner margin 6.2 6.9 conference victories and aztecs out west 8.6 to 6.8 or excuse me, six point. Ah, geez, my in my glasses or something. Eight point six to six point two, extremely close. After that, it's basically nobody's in their ballpark at all. Well, it's not that they. I don't think they're in the ballpark, but the, the teams in the tier below them all have pretty defined strengths and questions going into the season. Because obviously, Wyoming is going to have Josh Allen back, and he's going to be a difference maker, but. You know, are they going to be able to push Brian Hill, for instance? Uh, Utah State, kind of the same thing with Kent Myers, but, you know, new offensive coordinator, you know, Matt Wells may be feeling a little bit of pressure, even despite some unluckiness last year. Hawaii had a good offense and a shaky defense, and Air Force, for as good as it was in winning 10 games last year, has to replace literally everybody on defense. So... That's going to be interesting to watch, too, because I feel like if things break right, those are the teams that can make a run at at least a division title, if not the conference title. So I feel like Bill C. got it just about right. I, yeah, I, I, Utah State at five is interesting because they still don't have a running back. Matt Wells is mentioning, like, a a couple of guys back there. Um, Tony Lindsay should be the guy, but with him and his David Yost as their new OC. Matt Wells is removing himself from calling plays. Probably came from above, like, hey, just coach. Let somebody else call plays. They have Rontavian Quarver. Rontavian. uh, Yeah, Ronquavian. Is it Ronquavian Tarver? Or Rontavian Quarver? (laughs) It's Tarver. (laughs) Tarver. uh, Every time I say name, I'm like, double check. But defense, hopefully, will be back. No running game. Like you said, their offense is new because they want to go fast, 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 run, run, run. Or not, I mean, just play style, not run the ball, but move the ball. You want to hear it? Uh, you want me to go skip bail signing for Wyoming football? Oh, do you have to? I Sorry, I, I should not invoke that name. I should remove that from my from my vocabulary. Okay, just, just do it anyway. Let's get it out of the way. They might not make a bowl game this year. Hmm. I am of the opinion, like, last year with San Jose State, we, we you, me, and Chris had a huge swinging opinion of where they would finish out. I, at That's least, true. and so, well, like this is not to disrespect Wyoming by any means, even though it may sound like it. I, I take the Colorado State route. Yes, they lose Brian Hill. Yes, they lose uh, Nate Rulier, their starting center. They lose uh, Tanner Gentry, but they have guys like C.J. Johnson, and they'll have other guys back there to step up. Their schedule is very difficult. Like here's the thing: they they go to Iowa week one. Yeah, they could beat Iowa. 
but they're at league slate. Like they go to Boise, they go to Air Force, they go to Utah State. Will be interesting. They play Colorado State. I know they miss San Diego State, but their schedule is pretty tough. And they don't have a bye week at until. Well, no, sorry, they do after Texas State, but at Utah State, at Boise State, that's difficult games. They struggled versus Air Force before. That's on the road. CSU is going to be much improved. I just think that schedule, and then they play Oregon at home. It's they have talent, but I just think who they're playing. I don't want to doubt them, but I, I sort of am because of who they play and when they play them. It's the kind of thing where they might end up like eight and five again, but maybe they're going to the New Mexico Bowl instead of, you know, a conference title game or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could be. And then they play Hawaii, who's going to be much improved as well. And so yeah. I, I like I think they'll go to a bowl game. But I wouldn't be surprised. Like I could see them losing at Iowa, losing to Oregon, losing at Boise, losing to CSU, losing at Air Force, even to Mexico. That's probably not going to happen. But putting them four, I don't know. I'd probably just. I think the default position in tier two should always be Air Force at the top. Yeah, even <laughs> even despite the turnover. Yeah, Arian Wortham's Wortham's there at QB. Played half the year last year. More of a dynamic runner. They'll replace whoever they want to at running back and be fine. It's just a defense. They'll need to score some more points or get beneficial on the turnover margin defensively. But that I kind of disagree. Like, he has Hawaii high. I think Hawaii's fine there. I just, man, tier three, why does he hate New Mexico, man? <laughs> Same reason he's got questions about Air Force. They have to replace a lot on the defensive side of the ball. They do. Like, go, if you go to the podcast, like, I the the um, podcast ain't played nobody. Their biggest gripe is my stand with New Mexico. If their defense could be anything okay, like I said this, and I'll stick by this. If their defense could be above average at points per game allowed, which is the, probably the most obviously the most important metric because fewer points you can win more. If they could be say fourth in the conference in points allowed, they should be. They this is gonna sound crazy. But and I believe this because what we've seen Bob Davy do in his unique offense, they would be my hands down winner every year in the Mountain West if their defense was good. Not even good, but above average. Yeah, I mean they're they're probably going to be in the mix again, but there's going to be a lot more pressure to score points. Yeah, there is. They're losing, like I said, a lot of the defense, and they're losing Terran Gibson at um, running back. That transfer QB who wasn't going to play very much, but. I think New Mexico is underrated. I know he's using his stats and his other number, other of his intuition and football knowledge. It, their defense just can't revert to what it was a couple years ago. Like, it just has to be like you kind of pointed out to me. Like last year we're talking, like, oh, they're better than they thought. I'm like, okay, I guess they are. But we've always been on New Mexico early. I was probably a year early. I know I was a year early on Wyoming. I remember I said this a few times before. But like the summer leading into their breakout year, where they uh, beat Boise State. I think it was, or yeah, yeah, when they beat Boise State. Well, the first bowl game, I'll say, I was on different stations. Like, give me your team. I, I'd always say New Mexico, New Mexico, every time the Lobos, and people would be like, "Really? Are you kidding me? Why?" I'm like, "Look at that offense, man. They put it day one. They in the league, they nearly beat Boise State when was Mike Locks? No, the first year Bob Davy, where they basically had very few scholarship players because transfers and everything, and just not talent. They nearly beat Boise State in year one when that was one of the worst of Mexico teams in years. And so, never count the Lobos or Football Bob. Amen. 
Do you, so where do you think the Lobos should be? Should they be like in the mount in the Mountain Division because they are projected the wor- the uh, worst Mountain Division team? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. I feel kind of about New Mexico at least for the moment, the same way that you with everything that you just said about Wyoming. I <laughs> feel like New Mexico is a little bit more likely to take a step back than Wyoming or more likely to take a significant step back than Wyoming because as good as the offense was, there's going to be a lot of pressure. There's a bigger gulf between how good the offense is and how suspect the defense is than there is in Wyoming, if that makes sense. It does. Like, go back to the uh, Boise State-New Mexico game. They ran at will, but Brett Rippon had like 500 yards passing. Exactly. And that was a 49-21 to 21 drubbing. Just pulled up here really quick. Because with Wyoming, they have guys like they had the freshman of the year, Logan Wilson. They have Andrew Wingard, uh, freshman All-American, going to be a junior DB. Their defense is young, and their defense is going to get only going to get better. New Mexico losing all that talent, probably not. Like in that game really quick, Boise gave up. Or in other words, New Mexico averaged 6.3 yards on the ground in that game and lost 49-21. And Rippon had five TDs for nearly 400 yards. And their schedule doesn't do Lobos any favors either. They play Texas A&M. It's probably, what, Cupcake SEC weekend? Playing going to College Station November 11th. They have at Tulsa, which we've seen how Tulsa is. They have, um, I'm high in Tulsa. Philip Montgomery is their head coach there year three, I think, with him. Doing what he did at Baylor years before. That's an issue. And we saw how they can score points. They got to go to Wyoming, go to uh, San Diego State. There's some tough games there. So, well, looking at the West really quick, any surprises from his West Division uh, rankings at all? Yeah, that Fresno State was ahead of Nevada. <laughs> How is that possible? I mean, at least as, at least as far as no, no, project- no, 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 no. Yeah. Fresno State's twelfth. No, but I mean in the in the S and P projected. Oh, statement, uh, okay, the rankings. Which I take a, I mean, it's by the slimmest of margins. It's like literally three Point conference one. wins, two point nine <laughs> conference wins. But I'll take it. So what do you make of Nevada being last? Because I, I think Nevada's going to be okay. Um, I mean, Nevada's kind of... I mean, I didn't have a good feeling about Nevada last year. And I feel mostly vindicated by it. Why? Their defensive line sucked. And, you know, James Butler, of course, is going to be really good. But I think that there are still questions about, you know, how good is he going to be within this new run-and-shoot system that Jay Norvell is going to be bringing in. And, you know, more beyond that, do they have playmakers on the outside besides Wyatt Damps? Like, and he's not really know. he's not really outside. He's a tight end. Is he a tight end? I thought he was... Who am I thinking of? Am I thinking of Andrew Sellis? Oh, um... I'm not sure, but is, Wyatt Demps is a tight end. I'm pretty sure of it. Oh, okay. Just kidding. I mean, I just... I feel like if... Among the three teams that are in the last tier, Nevada, San Jose State, Fresno State, you know, Bill C has the whole idea of the year zero. And at least for me, at first blush, and we'll talk about this more when we start getting into team previews later, if I had to choose one team that I think is most likely to go through a year zero kind of situation, it's going to be Nevada. So while the offense may have some moments, I just don't have a great feeling about the defense at the moment and that's why i think it would be a long season for them also really quick a couple things on nevada 
Coach Alt was at practice this week, back from his uh, coaching American football in Italy. You know why Michigan's going there? Uh, maybe they're going to go meet with Chris Alt. That you know what? <laughs> I would not put pa- I wouldn't put that past Jim Harbaugh if if he's out there because this is um as we're recording now, C- Coach Alt was there the day before, and do you know who he's coaching in Italy? Is it's Italy, right? I. It is Italy. I just don't know the name of the team. It's like the Rhinos, isn't it? Uh, maybe. Yeah, the Milano. No, Milano Rhino. Yeah, Milano. Milano is that Milano? Uh, okay, yeah, Milano Rhinos in Italy. Yeah, there it is. Nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> it, it, I would. Yeah, I would have put some past Harbaugh if he's back there. And then also, um, ESPN. Can you update your uh, Twitter feed on the team page? Brian Pullian is no longer with Nevada. They have a bunch <laughs> of his uh, Notre Dame tweets in there. If you're if you're looking to ESPN for your up to date Nevada Wolfpack coverage, you're going to the wrong place. Yeah, I'm just there because I was looking up schedule stuff, and I like I do like that feature though. They put in tweets and stuff in there. It's a pretty cool, just to see stuff. And but I'm like, come on, who's who's updating that? Nobody, because nobody cares apparently. Uh, <laughs> I maybe um here's why I like Nevada, and like I said, we'll get to them more in their preview. I know they have a QB competition right now, Ty Ganji. Uh, the um, transfer from Alabama hasn't played like in five years or whatever, but he's in the mix apparently. I like Matt Mummy, and mm-hmm. Timmy Chang is on staff in Nevada. That's true. Former record, former NCAA career passing leader Timmy Chang. So let me ask you this: because he, he Bill C also did list what he felt were the best offensive and defensive players by team. We could just start with the offensive players. Do you have any any bones to pick with his selections? Yes. Well, there's two things I want to say about this. If your offensive okay. if your offensive lineman is projected as your best offensive player, you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. <laughs> well, just saying. Um, shouldn't Drew Brown be the best one at Hawaii? I mean, maybe there was some kind of like a toss-up situation because you could throw a DSM St. Juiced in there as well. Yeah, you could. I, that's that's a, it's kind of joking, but it's kind of legit. Like, if your offense is going to be good, like, I get if you have an All-American center or left tackle, that's going to help you out quite a bit. But how many points are they going to help you score? That's probably, like, Hawaii is the one that really stands out. Nevada, I could see James Butler, but Austin Corbett's going to be an NFL player pretty soon. San Diego State, I'm fine with. You get Richard Penny, Devontae Boyd at UNLV, Kent Myers, yeah, Josh Allen, blah, blah, blah. That's the only one that stands out to me is Hawaii. What about you? I mean, to me, I said it on Twitter, and I guess I'll say it again here. He did select Jameer Jordan as the best offensive player at Fresno State. And while Jordan is good, I probably would have gone with Keyshawn Johnson, personally. They're pretty comparable last year, right? Uh, yeah, Johnson was slightly more productive. Like, they both had kind of a similar increase in catch rate in, like, number of total receptions and yards per catch and everything like that. But I just I have a feeling that Johnson can be a bigger or perhaps more important part of the offense going forward. And so that's why, you know, if I had to choose just one guy as the best guy on that unit, it would probably be Johnson. Okay. Let me ask you this then, because last year was the year of the running back. Is this year, mm-hmm. the, like Bill C mentioned, lots of good QBs, which there's four on this list. And there's five. Oh, wait. One, two. There is one, two. Oh, Aaron Worthen. Sorry, Worthen. 
And like I said, you could legitimately have six with uh, Drew Brown at Hawaii. And like Christian Chapman's going to be a bit better. I'm assuming at QB, not that he's amazing, but he's uh, clearly Richard, Richard Penny's going to be their best offensive weapon. Is this going to be more of a passing league just because of those the running backs gone compared to the quarterbacks in place? Considering how many shaky defenses there are, I would not be surprised. <laughs> that's, that's what they mentioned too on that podcast. Defense is uh, and it's and it's on the ground last year. So, all right, so let's do the same thing in defense then. Anything on your end that kind of stands out of who shouldn't be there or not maybe not shouldn't, but a surprise selection. I mean, I was a little surprised by the fact that he chose Parker Baldwin as the best overall defensive player. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I was kind of surprised with Wyoming, for instance, he went with Logan Wilson rather than Andrew Wingard. It's a good point. I was looking at that too. I saw like, oh, Wingard there. He's going to be junior. He's doing good things. Logan Wilson, ha- maybe because Wilson had more, like he had what? I know interceptions are kind of fluke at linebacker, but he had a couple interceptions and at least one return for a TD. I think in that Eastern Michigan game he had one. But he was just mm-hmm. all over the field everywhere. Yeah, because, I mean, with most of them, like, you know, Trayvon Henderson is probably the best player on defense at Hawaii. Andre Chaturi, definitely a good choice at San Jose State. Kimmy Carson, David Moa, Boise. Moa, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly... I guess I would say Baldwin as kind of the best player at San Diego State, but I probably would have gone with Wingard as being the best overall defensive player in the conference. But that's just me. He makes a good point. He was a freshman All-American, and he was part of a defense that's been terrible. Like, two years ago, the defense was giving up points after points, and they couldn't stop anybody. And he's helping them now, too. I know they're very good overall turnover margin there pretty high on the plus side of things. I don't know. I might go with the – nose tackle is a weird position. I think David Moe could be the best defender. But sometimes nose tackles, you just take up space, which is a very valuable thing if you can take a – if you can push back the center and the guard. Or if you're off center, the guard and the tackle, some variation of that. If you can mm-hmm. take up two guys, that's huge. I'll open up your linebackers and even safeties when I step up to blitz. And so – when you see nose tackles or even defensive linemen in general, like Malik Forrester at Fresno State, they their odds of them getting a lot of sacks or TFLs usually not the case. They're usually if they're the best guy in the defensive line, they're taking them a space and having a tight end chip them or having a, somebody else help them to not allow him to make a big play. So they they could be productive without seeing monster stats. I mean, at least with a guy like Forrester, he's not going to be in the middle in a 3-4 defense anymore. It may look a little bit different for him. He may be end up, he may end up being a little more productive now that he's part of a 4-3 unit in the front seven. And I know that, you know, at least today, I think in the Fresno B, he talked about how comfortable he felt going into this new system. And so that, I think, is something worth watching. All right, so let's wrap this up really quick. We've gone 65 minutes on a middle of April podcast on college football. We're here for you, folks. (laughs) Yes, and we appreciate if you listen through everything because we want guacamole money. Exactly. Or or burrito money now. But let me ask you this. Let's bring it back to the rankings. Overall, who is your top three in mid-April? In mid-April? I mean, I guess I really can't quibble with the top three that Bill C put up there. I feel like personally until I'm, I, this is kind of what I subscribe to 
you know, you're the best until you're beaten. So I probably would go San Diego State 1. And then after that, I would probably go Colorado and then Boise. But that's just me. No, that's a fair point. I would say I would go to Colorado State, number one, because I not not just because I said that back in mid-January, but look at the running back situation. They're three deep there. They have two good quarterbacks. Their defense is doing good things. They Marty English did something last year to flip the switch. I got to go CSU, San Diego State, then Boise State. And that's because, yeah, you lose Donald Pumphrey. Rashard, Rashard Penny, 1,000-yard rushers back. They yeah they lose um, Demonte Casey, uh, Calvin Munson, and if a few other defenders I'm not thinking of at the moment, but Boise State, it's like it's like the thing I said. Um, oh, what was it? Uh, shoot, a few years ago. Oh, dang, I can't think of what it was. Oh yeah, losing. Okay, here's here's what I'm going back a couple years when Boise lost Jaji. Huge question mark. Wow, we figured McNichols and whomever would have stepped up would have been fine. We just didn't know that was the case to be certain to be to be that confident to say McNichols would have done what he did taken over for Jay Jai who got picked by the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to that theory at Boise State. Yes, they have guys behind them, young guys who will probably be fine, do good in the offense. You have an experienced quarterback, Cedric Wilson at a wide receiver. Uh they still have Jake Rowe, correct, at tight end? For, yes. for one more year. He's there. Offense should be fine. You lose a good amount on defense, but with what San Diego State has done overall and Rocky Long, I'm going to go – I got to pick them second because part – like your theory a little bit, they've won 22 games in the overall the past two years, back-to-back conference champs. I just think San Diego State or is second over Boise and then CSU won because CSU is returning the talent where San Diego State has a known quantity of replacing talents. Does that, does that make sense? Even though Penny – thousand yards he's still replacing an all-time great but still we we know what penny has whereas boise state's backup at running back or receiver two three four is not exactly known or completely sure at the moment yeah there you go so as of right now our champion is colorado state for me san diego state for you they're not the champion just the best team ah best team that's a distinction for now all right, so that's our show for tonight. Um, man, hour plus hour. We're going to go 70 minutes here, folks. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so any last party thoughts? Are we good to just wrap this bad boy up? I think we are good to go. We will be back in a few days with an NFL draft podcast, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, folks. Days, not a week. Within days, we'll have another podcast. Maybe um, potential special guest joining the show. Maybe, maybe not. Fingers crossed. We also have in the hopper, if you missed me chatting with Alonzo uh, Carter, the uh, MC Hammer coach at uh, San Jose State. More than that, I should say. Shouldn't pigeonhole him, but a great coach, and he'll, he'll do good things with the Spartans. So go listen to that because that was a pretty cool conversation because, like, no joke, like, I do, like, I think I put it in my article or mentioned a podcast. To get coaches to join even a radio show that I work on is difficult as it is. I emailed San Jose State. Within two hours, got a phone call from their SID, said, yes, he can join you within one hour. I'm like, that never happens. Even <laughs> pe- even to get buddies on the show who I know to text to come join our our show, that may not work out for them, who I've talked to dozens of times and know them well. They can't always do that. So I'm like, I appreciate And also, 
Spartans need the pub, and they got so much pub from the, from overall from him doing the dance. But please listen to it. He has a lot of cool things. There's a couple stories where he um, caused some trouble at the Oprah Winfrey show because he um, did something he shouldn't have done, nearly could not perform. And how many coaches could have been to the grant performed at the Grammys? Anybody? Am I allowed to say? Am I allowed to say that no other podcast can touch this? <laughs> Oh, perfect. Perfect ending. But listen to that. I also have a, uh interview I did with um, Jake Kurokowski from Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Um, we My plan is to try to interview all these guys from other teams. So I got, I got in the call with Jake. I'm like, oh, this will be 10, 15. He's like, cool. 45 minutes later, we finished wrapping up an early preview of Wisconsin and Utah State. So that will come. what they want. Exactly. So that will – that 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 true. So that will come some point. Probably I don't know. We'll see. Probably within within a month you'll hear that. So that's what we got going on. Um, subscribe. We're at Stitcher. We're on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Listen, if you really if you really want to help us out, I mean really, go to the Blog Talk Radio page and click on one of the ads that goes somewhere else, or even better, less work, hit play on that player on Blog Talk Radio and hit mute if you don't care about us, or if you're tired or like oh I will mute it now but I'll listen later. Come on. Everything helps, right? Yes, it does. All right, so check us out, mwcconnection.com. We'll be back in a couple days for NFL draft preview. And this time, we really mean it. We are biased against your team, especially you.